everyone and welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it, I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to take place here in Scotland or have any relation to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening. It really does help us out a bunch and a massive thank you to everyone who already has. Now, let's get into it. First episode of 2022, folks. Happy bloody new year to everyone listening. I hope you had a fantastic time over the holidays and your 2022 has been a positive experience so far. If it hasn't, then that sucks, but we do still have a whole year ahead of us, so fingers crossed it gets better. For those of you who do not follow us on Instagram or anything like that, my sister has recently just had a baby, so I have been MIA, helping her out a lot with the baby and, you know, babysitting, all that good stuff. Uh, But she is now very much settled and comfortable, so that means that I can get on with the show. Another exciting update, I have just booked a trip to Orlando for September in Florida. So I will be going to Halloween Horror Nights for the very first time. I've been wanting to go for so long and I've just never got around to it. Uh, You know, like with COVID and just a bunch of other stuff, I just haven't had the chance. Travel restrictions are now kind of easing a bit and I am fully vaccinated. So that means I am able to travel without any major disruptions or having to test and all this kind of stuff so yeah I am super excited for this year and I'm super excited for that Uh, and if you've been to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal or you've just been to Orlando during like the Halloween period get in touch and let me know how it was the first thing I would like to talk about uh, that is show related uh, is I would like to give you guys a wee update on a petition that we have spoken about before on the show if you've listened to any of our previous episodes regarding witches or witch trials, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff, then you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, then I'll just try and summarise it for you. Um, Here in Scotland, between the years 1563 and 1738, there was a massive surge in witch trials. This was mainly due to the Scottish Witchcraft Act of 1563, which made the practice of witchcraft or being affiliated with anyone practising witchcraft a capital offence. Throughout this time, there were around 4,000 people in Scotland accused of witchcraft and around 80% of them were women. And of those, it was estimated around 2,500 were executed in various different ways. As a result of these deaths and the people who were tortured and held captive during this time, there was a petition lodged by Claire Mitchell and Zoe Venditose. I'm really sorry if I've mispronounced your name there, Zoe. As part of the Witches of Scotland campaign, which I have talked about um, recently, a member's bill was lodged and has gained a bit of traction and the support of Nicola Sturgeon, who is Scotland's Prime Minister, and that will be brought before Parliament. If it does go through... All of the people who suffered or were killed will receive full pardons and official apologies as well as a national monument in memory of those people. I think that is absolutely amazing news and it's kind of well overdue 
So let's all just try and keep our fingers crossed that this goes through and that these people can finally have some peace and justice after all this time. I will be checking for updates and will let you know the outcome of this. If you lovely people see anything about this before I do, you can send it over to me as well. And if you live somewhere where witch trials were a big thing or they're part of your history, a lot of people lost their lives, then let me know if this would be something that you would consider doing in their memory. Is it something that, you know, people would go for? Is it something that people would get behind? Because you don't really hear a lot about it, to be honest. Uh, I know in Salem, they've kind of found a way to kind of, I don't know if this is the right word, but they've kind of capitalised off it. Salem's kind of known for that now. People travel there because of the witch trials and the people that died and all that kind of stuff. And not a lot of people died there, so it, and, it, and it's very, very, very famous. So just let me know if you live somewhere like this or you have stories of witch trials in your area and let me know what you guys think. But a massive step in the right direction. For today's episode, I do have two ghost stories that are very, very Scottish in nature. But before that, I do have a few questions that I received from yourselves that I would like to answer. A lot of the questions were the same and they were just kind of worded a bit differently. So I've just kind of stuck them all together and hopefully I cover everything that you all want to know. I did say uh, in the previous episode, if you have any questions or requests from me, then just send them over and I'll feature them at the start of the episodes. Um, Yeah, this is kind of something that I want to start doing just so you guys can get to know me a little bit better. And I can just like give you what you want. Like if you want to hear about certain creatures and folklore or you want to hear about certain things then I would really I would just like to do that for you so if you could send them over then that would be grand. Now the biggest question or most common question that I got was where in Scotland am I from? I am from Glasgow. I was born in Glasgow and I still live in Glasgow. Uh, It's the biggest city in Scotland but it is not the capital that would be Edinburgh. I'm very central in terms of where in the city I am so it's not a very green place that I live in terms of scenery there's a lot of buildings and roads Uh, I think when most people think about Scotland they picture like the long grass the green fields the mountains the rocks the roads the burns all that kind of stuff that is not where I am I am very much in the city there are like parks and all those kind of things but it's not very naturey I would say in the city but I still love it I would obviously love to live further north. The further north you go, the more green it gets, the better the scenery gets. Uh, I would absolutely love to live up north, but right now I live in the city. In terms of like tourism, um, again, if you're looking for more scenery-based tourism, I would head up north. If you're looking for more city-based, like a city break, lots of restaurants, shopping, all that kind of stuff. Glasgow and Edinburgh are probably your two best bets for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I live, it's kind of, it's really, really strange. Like, because I've lived in Glasgow my whole life, I just, I, I, I'm not really versed in the places out, just outside Glasgow. So whenever I go to my friends who lives just outside Glasgow, when people ask where I'm from, and I have to say, oh, Glasgow, or, you know, this city, it's very, very weird. If you're thinking about travelling to Scotland and you're looking for like a city break where you can go to different places to eat and you can go shopping, kind of like museum-based kind of thing, Glasgow or Edinburgh is your best bet. But if you're looking for more nature stuff like hiking and all that kind of stuff, 
uh, you're better heading up north for that. Another popular question that I got was about the weather. Uh, specifically, is the weather as bad as people say it is? Well, a typical Scottish year, I would say, in my opinion, is about 70% rain, which I actually don't really mind the rain. Um, it's more the cold that I don't like. Uh, but yeah, I don't mind the rain at all. Um, I kind of find the rain to be quite peaceful. I could sit with the window open and listen to it kind of hat off the, the pavement and the windows. I don't mind the rain and I wouldn't complain about it because I know that there are countries that go through like drought and things like that. So I'm super grateful that we don't have that issue here. Definitely don't have that issue here. But uh, the cold isn't as bad as people think it is. There are other places that get much colder in the winter. But it does definitely drop below freezing when the sun isn't out here. But apart from that, we do tend to have like a, just a normal year with all four seasons. We go through the seasons, we have like the changing weather, the changing the leaves, all that kind of stuff. And I actually really like that. I don't like cities where it's just warm the whole year or it never rains or there's never any snow. I just find that to be really, really bizarre. Uh, here we get the whole range of the seasons, which... I love. Another big positive is that we don't really get any natural disasters here. Fun story, I have actually been in Orlando, Florida when Hurricane Katrina, Michael and Irma hit America. I don't know if that's bad luck or what that is, but I've obviously experienced weather-related disasters firsthand and they are absolutely no joke. Um, I'm also going to be in, as I said earlier, I'm going to be in Orlando in September. So, fingers crossed, I don't have to sit through a fourth one. But for the most part, here in Scotland, it's pretty much rain or wind. That's about as serious as it gets. We don't really get anything. Now and again, it'll flood if there's like really bad late, uh, really bad rains. But there's nothing to, there's nothing life-threatening. Um, sometimes it gets a bit icy in the winter. But that's about the max of it. We don't get anything too serious. No, I would say the weather is not as bad as everybody makes it out to be here. I did also get a few different questions about my tattoos. Now, I think I've posted a few things about them, like on our Instagram story. And I think people, I do tend to get a lot of um, interaction when I post stuff like that to my story. Uh, people just asking, like, where I get them done, who I get them done by, um, just wanting to know what kind of stuff I have done. Um, I don't post it on the Instagram because I just feel like that is should be based around the show. But that is another thing that I'm going to be doing in the new year. I feel like you guys would like to know a bit more about my personal life or the things that I do or the places I eat. So I'm going to be posting a bit more about just myself in general, posting some pictures of when I'm out, different places that I see, so that it's just not so much show-based. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that as well. But I did get a few questions about my tattoos, so I'm going to try and answer them all in one go. So I get tattooed at Electric Arts on Duke Street, which is here in the east end of Glasgow. My artist is called Delboy, and his Instagram is at Delboy Tattoos, spelled D-E-L-B-O-I-T-A-T-T-O-O-S. He specialises in traditional style tattoos, which are my absolute fave, so he is my artist for the foreseeable. If you are interested in that kind of style, please definitely check him out if you're in Glasgow. Uh, his work's amazing. In terms of what I actually have, I have one blackout slash blast over sleeve on my right arm. 
I have half a sleeve on my left arm, half of my chest, my right leg and half of my right hand done. I do plan on getting my neck done at some point but right now I'm just concentrating on the bits and bobs that I need done, the space fillers. If you're tattooed you'll know what I'm talking about. It's very very annoying when you look down at yourself and you can see blank spaces. So that's kind of what I'm concentrating on right now. I do feel like I really need to get more Halloween or horror related tattoos. I'm kind of lacking in that area and that was kind of the idea I had for my leg going forward, for my leg sleeve thing. I'm thinking about doing ho traditional horror. But yeah, that is all I have done right now. I am booked in on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, to get some more of my sleeve done. So I will be posting about that. So if you are interested in tattoos, you want to see my tattoos, then go and follow us on Instagram because I'll be posting some of that on my story. I don't know if I'll be posting it on an actual like feed yet. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'll be definitely putting that on our story, so go check that out. But yeah, that covers most of the questions about that. Uh, if you have any others that I've missed, send them my way. I am happy to answer them for you. But like I said, I would like this to be a regular thing. If you have any questions about anything, just send them in and I will do my best to answer at the beginning of the show. Or if you have any stories or you would like to share something, I can share them at the beginning as well. Uh, I'm just trying to get you folks involved and try and make the episodes a little bit longer for you. I know that I enjoy throwing on a podcast when I'm at work and I'm just kind of at my desk doing my thing. And I prefer them to be on the bit on the longer side. So this is what I'm kind of trying to do. But yeah, just fire, fire any questions my way and I will 100% try to, to answer them for you. Obviously within reason, if they are creepy or just like, just, just, just don't, just, just don't do it. But anywho, that is enough about me. Let's talk about what today's episode is about. Both stories are based in different locations, but they do share the same type of ghosties. Both places have a phantom bagpiper. Now, if you're Scottish or you've been to Scotland, you will know the bagpipes hold a very special place in our hearts. There's something about the sound of them that just makes you feel at home. It doesn't matter where you are, if you're on holiday or you're travelling. When you hear the bagpipes, they just make you feel at peace, I would say. I've even got emotional when I've heard them, which I know is very, very cringy. I am aware of that. But there is just something about it that makes you feel emotional when you hear it. If you've never heard the bagpipe, then firstly, get a grip. And secondly, get on Google and get it listened to. Let me know how it makes you feel, what emotions you feel from it. Um, all that being said though, where I work is like in town centre. It's quite a central place and there's a lot of, um, like the area that I work in is kind of, it's a, it's kind of famous, I would say. Like everybody who knows Glasgow knows this area. And there's a lot of different events that take place there, like throughout the year. There's loads of different markets, all that kind of stuff. As well as protests and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but one of the things that happens every year, it's actually not happened in a couple of years, I don't know if that's because of COVID, but they have like an annual Highland dance competition that, and it kind of goes on for a few days and the music that they dance to is predominantly bagpipes. And I'm not going to lie to you, it is an absolute pain in the arse every single day from about 11, no, probably earlier than that, no, about 11 in the morning to about 5 o'clock at night. It's just constant bagpipes. Constant, constant, constant. Obviously, it's a competition. They do what they got to do. But it 
gets very, very, very annoying. But once the competition's done and they leave, I'll be honest, I forget all about it. I forget about the angriness. I feel I forget about the annoyance. And I just totally forget that I was ever annoyed at it and everything goes back to normal. But you have a wee listen to them and let me know how they meet. A wee bit of history, a wee bit of backstory about the bagpipes. Nobody really knows how they originally arrived here in Scotland or whereabouts they came from. There is history of them being played in different parts of the world as early as 400 BC. So it isn't really clear how they managed to make their way here to Scotland. But the current bagpipe that is commonly seen here in Scotland was developed and constructed by the Highlanders as far back as the 1500s. And they were made the national instrument of Scotland and these would be played during all different types of situations like weddings, celebrations, but they would also be played during times of war and unrest. The reason for this was due to the sound of the pipes being able to travel for up to 10 miles away. So it was a perfect way to scare the opposition during times of battle and war. And that, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between, leads us into today's stories. So let's begin with Duntrun Castle, shall we? This castle is located on the northern side of Loch Crenan and faces the village of Crenan in Argyll. If I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, I apologise. The surrounding area is very much steeped in history and there is absolutely no shortage of things to see and do. There are beaches perfect for swimming, fishing and there is a very famous garden located a short walk from the castle itself. This is due to the fact that nothing would grow in the castle grounds itself because it's so close to the coastline and the salt from the water and all that kind of stuff. So they constructed this very beautiful garden in the 1950s and this was maintained by Susan Malcolm who did sadly pass away in 2003. I'm not 100% sure who maintains the garden now. I would assume it's just the people that own the property that maintain it. The grounds are also located very close to the ancient kingdom of Dalyada. This place is now known to have been the name of a large stretch of land that covered the western side of Scotland and even included some of Northern Ireland as well. This part of land was at its largest during the 7th century, but it does predate that even further. It was originally founded by the very famous King Fergus Moore, also known as Fergus the Great, around the 5th century. And eventually this kingdom merged with Pictland and this essentially formed the Kingdom of Alba. If you don't know, the Picts were an ancient group of people who lived here in Scotland. I could talk about Dalriada for hours and hours and hours. It was a place that I had absolutely no idea existed. And it is definitely on the list to talk about because it is steeped in history and it is steeped in all sorts of different stories and folklore and legend and all these different types of people. Um, interesting characters so stay tuned for that because I am definitely talking about that one. The castle itself is known as one of the oldest continuously occupied castles on mainland Scotland which I think is pretty impressive because a lot of these castles are just like shells that are museums or you know there for tours but this one um, is actually occupied people live there um, you can uh, stay there it was originally built by the McDougall clan at some point during the 13th century but was taken over by clan Campbell who would then sell it in 1792 to the Malcolm family who still own it to this very day the most known ghost story told at Duntroon is that of the ghostly piper who met a very sticky end more than 400 years ago. 
During the 17th century, there was a civil war going on in England. The king of the time, King Charles I, was in a bit of a tussle with Parliament because he really wanted to implement several different things, such as higher taxes and all that kind of thing. But mainly, he really wanted to bring the entire country under one religious ideology, which again, we've spoke about at length on this show. It seems to have caused a lot of uproar, a lot of problems up here in Scotland, and it did lead to a lot of deaths as well. Although at the time, we kind of did try to stay out of it, Uh, and keep ourselves to ourselves, it did eventually find itself on our doorstep and this is kind of the backdrop for the story I'm about to tell you. The Macdonald clan at the time was led by a man who was known as Kalkito. Again, apologies if I said that wrong. He was said to be a brute of a man, large in build and just overall a very scary individual. His name was well known as he was a very skilled, he was very skilled when it came to the matters of warfare and was even asked to help other clans during battle due to his skills. Famously, he was asked by Clan McIntyre to assist them during one of their fights, and to show their appreciation and to show their appreciation to Kalkito, they gave him the clan's favourite piper. The piper was to join Kalkito and his clan on their crusades and provide them with entertainment as well as join in on some of the act. During their escapades, Clan MacDonald found themselves at Castle Dotrun along with the piper. A long and tedious battle took place between Clan MacDonald and Clan Campbell, but eventually Clan Campbell were overthrown and Coquito left a few of his men, as well as the Piper, to occupy the castle upon his return. Coquito himself left and set sail across the Sound of Jura to continue his crusade, but while he was gone, Clan Campbell decided to strike back and try and regain control of Dintrun. During the attack, almost all of the men that he left were killed, but the Piper was not so lucky. He was kept alive with the intentions of keeping the Campbells entertained with his music, which he did happily and, you know, just got on with it. But one day, Kalkito's boat was spotted returning to Dintrun. Now, he had no idea that the castle had been taken back by the Campbells, and the Piper had prepared a song to play his leader upon his return, and the song was called The Piper's Warning to His Master. The Piper asked if he was allowed to play his leader one last song and the McIntyres allowed him to do so, not thinking that anything of it, just thinking it was very innocent. The Piper played his song and the notes carried their way across the water to Kalkito where he heard them. But one of the chieftains noticed that the Piper was playing some of the notes incorrectly and then realised that he had done it intentionally to warn his leader. Luckily, Kokido had heard some of the incorrect notes and had also realised that this was indeed a warning. He did turn their boats around and he never made it to Dundrun, but sadly, he left the piper behind to face his fate. They kind of toyed with the idea of torturing the piper or just simply executing him for his betrayal, but they eventually decided that the worst punishment that they could inflict was to make sure that he never played the bagpipes ever again. They did this by cutting off both his hands and eventually, due to blood loss, the the piper passed away. Now, the story of the piper was just that. It was a spooky story that people would tell. But during the 1800s, there were renovations taking place inside the castle and the workers reportedly found the skeletal remains of a man, perfectly intact, torso, legs, all the good stuff. But he had no hands. The hands were missing. And then a couple of years later, more remains were found in another part of the castle. But it was just two skeletal hands that were found. 
So could this be the remains of our sad wee Piper? Uh, I would say that it is. I don't think that's a coincidence. Since his passing, stories have been told of all sorts of ghostly goings on at Duntroon, ranging from banging noises, objects moving on their own, and footsteps being heard at night when no one is there. But there have also been stories of the sound of bagpipes, and they can be heard all around the grounds in the castle, outside the castle, at all times of the day. Which obviously means that his wee ghost must have hands now, because how the hell else is he going to play the bagpipes? But yeah, his sad wee song can be heard all around the castle at different times of day, and that's his story, and it's a wee bit of a sad one. He managed to save his leader, but he lost his wee hands, so that's that's really sad, isn't it? Our second story takes us to Fraser Bar to a lighthouse. Well, there, well, there's actually two lighthouses on this site. One of them was built into a converted castle, and the other was built as its replacement in 1991. The original lighthouse was built into a castle that was already standing there, um, and it was known as Kinnaird Head, and was established in 1787, making it the first lighthouse to be built by the Northern Lighthouse Board. Uh, and back in those days, it wasn't like you could just go up there and screw a bulb in and that was fine. Uh, it was actually lit using lanterns that used whale oil and parabolic reflectors to ensure that the light was bright enough to be seen at sea by ships. At the time, Kinnard Head was the most powerful light of its time as it was able to be seen up to 14 miles away. In 1824, plans were created to construct a newer lighthouse tower with more up-to-date methods of lighting and, you know, just like other ways of warning ships such as foghorns. It was also home to the first radio beacon in Scotland in 1929. So a lot of firsts here, uh, a lot of history. There was a lot of stuff about the technology that they used and the different things that they used to light the lighthouse. Uh, that I'm not really going to talk about because I'm, I have no absolutely no interest in bulbs and materials and all that kind of stuff. But if this is something that you're interested in, um, and this is definitely a place to visit because the amount of history there uh, and the amount of things they were able to accomplish there in terms of the methods they used and all that kind of stuff, it is really, really fascinating. So if you ever find yourself in that area, please go visit them because you, you can still visit them, they're still standing. The original lighthouse still stands today, as well as the castle it was converted from, but it is now home of the Museum of Scottish Lighthouses. It's not actually in use, it's not an actual lighthouse anymore. Uh, the second lighthouse is also standing, but is now fitted with like a more modern automatic light. Uh, and sadly, this as you would know, lighthouses are kept by lighthouse keepers. That is what um, they used to, how they used to work. Uh, so somebody would just live there, like, most of the year uh, and keep, make sure that the light was burning, etc, etc. But obviously because of modern times now, they, those people aren't necessary. So I think that's a wee shame that lighthouse keepers lost their jobs. I suppose it's a bit more efficient for ships. Like I said, if you enjoy lighthouses or you're just interested in history like this, definitely give this place a visit. Uh, they do have a museum and you can climb to the top of one of the lighthouses to have a wee look out at the North Sea. That sounds really good. I would like to do that. But something I've noticed with places like this, not all of them, but most of them, don't really advertise the fact that the location could be haunted in any way. A question for you guys, if you owned a property like this, 
or some sort of like hotel or a B&B or just a, just any property and you thought that it was haunted in any way, shape or form, would you tell people that it was haunted? Because I think that that would bring in so many people in business because there is a massive amount of people out there whose lives and jobs are to travel around the world, country, whatever it is, to these different haunted locations and talk about the different stories there. I mean, that's literally what I do. I literally look these places up and tell you the stories. And I know that I would 100% love to travel around the country to all these different places that I've talked about. But would you like to stay somewhere that was known to be haunted or like allegedly haunted? Let me know. And would you advertise it as so? Because I feel like the people who were who would love to live like me, would love to live in a haunted house, would definitely go. But then you would have the sceptics who don't believe in ghosts who would go anyway because they would just be like, this place isn't haunted. So I feel like it could bring in a lot of, a lot of, his, a lot of business because I know that some of the castles that are in operation right now, they're still like, um, they're either hotels or they've been converted into apartments. They're just domestic, like you can live there, you can stay there, all that kind of stuff. They definitely don't want people knowing that they're haunted. Like I have to read a lot of books, look at a lot of articles, all that kind of stuff to find these stories. I even reached out to a few of them to ask their staff like if they would be happy to share some stories from just working in the place and absolutely none of them got back to me so I think it's fair to say that these places don't want it to be advertised as a haunted place. I did manage to find this story in relation to the castle that the first lighthouse is built into. The castle was owned and lived in by the Fraser family. And this was around the 1500s, uh, the Fraser family inhabited the castle. And the laird of the time, Alexander Fraser, had a daughter named Isabel. Now, I don't know if she was his only daughter or she was only child, but I know that she was a young girl living in the castle, probably bored and curious. Uh, and she started to become very friendly with one of the servant pipers who lived in the village near the castle. And as we've discussed before, it was a very big no-no for people in any sort of power or with a name to be seen or to be involved with servants or people they saw, well, as they saw as beneath them. It was just a big no-no, do not do that. But eventually, after spending time with the piper and getting to know each other, Isabel did fall in love and so did the piper. When her father found out about the two, he was not best pleased and he forbid the two to see one another ever again. One night, Alexander had to travel out of town, but he had to return because the weather just got so bad on the road that he was unable to proceed any further. When he eventually got home, he was shocked to find that his daughter and the piper were together when he absolutely forbid it. Overcome with the rage that his daughter had defied him, he decided to punish both of them. He took his daughter and locked her in the upper floor of the wine tower, which was a wee bit further up the coast from the castle. Uh, it's not too far, it's about a 20 minute walk I would say, not even that. He then took the piper and had him tied up and locked in the cave underneath the wine tower, uh, which was known as Seal's Hole. Satisfied with his punishment, Alexander returned to the castle for the night, not given a single thought to the two of them or how they would get through the night but what he didn't know was that the storm that he'd come up against while traveling was slowly making its way to Castle Kinnaird and when it did this obviously caused the tide to be abnormally high and this caused Seal's Hole to fill with water 
and with the poor Piper being tied up, he was unable to save himself and he eventually drowned. The next day, Isabel was notified that her lover had perished during the storm and she was so devastated to hear about his death that she threw herself from the top of the wind tower to the rocky coastline below and obviously died a very sad and heartbreaking death. Since that day, a ghostly female apparition is seen on the rocks and she's usually seen just prior to very bad weather or an incoming storm. So her ghost is now seen as an omen for bad weather, storms, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's also said that on stormy days, the sound of bagpipes can be heard playing out from the cave under the wind tower. Some say the piper is playing for his long lost love, which I just find absolutely sad. Like, it's just sad. I'm a sucker for love, and these kind of stories make me sad. Now, I couldn't find anything to say that this is an actual story that this actually happened, but I did find out that there is a rock just below the wind tower that still stands there today, which is painted red, and this is said to be the rock that she died on, um, and it's still painted red to this day, but I could not find any pictures of it or anything like that. But if you've ever been here and you've seen it, let me know, let me see if you've got any pictures of it, could you let me see them, please? Uh, but yeah, that is something that happens there as kind of like a memorial of her death. But that's it folks, two very sad stories about two wee pipers who sadly both lost their lives in horrible ways. I do feel like bagpipes can sound a wee bit sad and weary, so I can imagine hearing them on like a foggy grey day and it's kind of misty and rainy and then somebody tells you the one of these stories, it really does, it pulls on the heartstrings, it does. I, get, I feel like as well that a lot of the stories I tell at these castles or these locations, a lot of them are love stories that, you know, somebody is not happy with their son's missus or somebody thinks that they're marrying beneath them so they take it into their own hands and they kill them or it's so sad. It's just like, oh, people just keep your nose out of other people's business, please. Just let people do what they want. But this is kind of how I want to do the castle episodes going forward. Instead of me just picking one castle to talk about, unless it's like like Edinburgh Castle that has so many things to talk about that I could literally take up hours and hours and hours. Usually these castle episodes only take like 20 minutes, if that. So going forward, I'm kind of just going to pick the ones that have similar types of stories and just kind of group them that way and bring them to you all in one episode. So there's kind of a theme throughout the episode. Uh, hopefully that should keep it interesting, make the episodes a wee bit longer for you lovely people. I've been doing so much reading, like so much reading. It's unbelievable how much reading that I've been doing. So I have learned so much about Scotland and history in Scotland and ghosts here in Scotland and folklore and all that good stuff that I have been writing loads and loads and loads of episodes about. So there is so much to come this year, so much to look forward to. I'm really hyped, I'm really excited to bring it to you. I've worked really hard on the next couple of episodes, just making sure that everything's accurate, everything's wrote out, everything's everything's good. So yeah, I'm really excited. I hope you are excited. I also <laughs> I also looked into learning Gaelic or Gaelic, whatever way you want to say it. Uh yeah. Very, very difficult. Uh, they don't use all of the letters in the alphabet for a start, so yeah, I've, I'm trying, I'm trying to connect to those roots, 
Uh, but I will update you on that as well. If there's anybody listening who speaks Gaelic, Gaelic, let me know because it's it's just really, really fucking hard. <laughs> but yes, that is all I have for you today. I hope you all have a great weekend and stay safe. Stay weird. Stay scared. Bye, folks. Bye.